Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for the All Saints Lutheran Sermon Series of Podcasts. We're so delighted that you've landed on this page, and we ask that you contextualize yourself by reading the descriptor. Enjoy, and let us know what you think. Saints and siblings in Christ, good morning. And welcome to Transfiguration Sunday. We have officially made it through another season after Epiphany, so good work, everyone. Over the past two months, two months of Epiphany this year, we have moved rather quickly through a big chunk of Jesus' life. On the day of Epiphany, we commemorated the story of Magi, the wise guys who followed that star and proclaimed the Christ child as king. We have heard together the story of Jesus' baptism and first miracle, his first sermon, and his eventual exile from his hometown after that first sermon didn't go over quite as well as one would have hoped. In fact, in the space of eight weeks, we have covered a full 30 years of Jesus' life, bringing us finally to today, Transfiguration Sunday, a day when our texts reflect the many ways that God has been revealed throughout history, a day in which we celebrate, quite specifically, the revelation of Christ's glory in the world when we find ourselves with the whole company of saints astounded by the greatness of God. In the biblical context, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, use this transfiguration text as a bridge between Jesus' public ministry and his passion. So too will this be reflected in our church year. We move now, from stories about Jesus' birth, his early life, the beginnings of his ministry, into our Lenten journey as we prepare for Jesus' death. From the time of the transfiguration on, Jesus will set his face on Jerusalem and on the cross. And even though, even though this is one of those stories that we hear every year at roughly the same time, and is one that you are likely overly familiar with because of that fact, it remains an important text for us to look at. Because it reveals God to us in a way that I think we often forget. Now, each of our readings this morning reflects the glory of God revealed throughout history in a very specific way. In our text from Exodus chapter 34, we hear the tail end of an account of God and Moses meeting on Mount Sinai in the, after the Israelites' liberation from Egypt. As Moses brings the Ten Commandments down the mountainside, we are confronted by God revealed to us in two ways. The first is, of course, the actual stone tablets that Moses is carrying, which I imagine would have been rather heavy. Here, we find the word of God literally etched in stone. Commandments received on the holy mountain, commandments that we still hear, hold on to, and teach today. Words that we can reflect on. Words that have ingrained themselves into the very fabric of society. And the second is in this shining face of Moses. Shining face of Moses which gives a whole new meaning to the song, This Little Light of Mine, I think, as we think about that just briefly. Here we find God revealed in word and, quite literally, in the face of another. 
Our psalm, too, is filled with the echoes of praise to the glory of the revealed God, a God who is king over all things, who created all things, God who speaks from pillars of cloud and fire, God who speaks words of vengeance and forgiveness, who comes in the actions of justice and righteousness. And then finally, there is our gospel text from the ninth chapter of Luke, and here we get just a little bit of everything, right? It's as if someone looked at every other instance in the entirety of Scripture where God reveals God's self in the world and just like chucked it together in one mountaintop experience for Jesus. Because we have that, right? A mountaintop experience. Here, Jesus and his disciples are gathered on the top of a mountain, which is always, always, always a signal that God is going to show up in some sort of a crazy, incredible sort of way. And we get that. Revelation that comes through the law, represented by Moses showing up, and the prophets represented by Elijah being there. There are shining faces, glowing figures, and to top it all off, we get a cloud with the voice of God thundering down a command, a pronouncement, a blessing. It's like the greatest hits album of God showing up in the world. (laughs) Everything you could have ever hoped for. And then we get a little more. Because you may have noticed that the text this morning is two rather distinct parts. Right? It continues after this awesome experience on the mountaintop, and it takes us back down off the mountain into the valley. And it's here that we witness the revealed God in a way that up to this point... We haven't before in the Gospels. As an exasperated, frustrated human. Here we find Jesus, born of a virgin, visited by magi, who turned water into wine, who raises the dead, heals the sick, who's been tempted by the devil, who has spoken with the greatest ancestors in the faith, and who has had the heavens rolled back not once, but twice, whereupon God spoke his identity into the world. And this Jesus, this Emmanuel, God made flesh, goes off on these disciples in an epic sort of rant, just like any other human would. Because we worship a God who comes to us in all sorts of ways, who is revealed to us in the wonderful and the unexpected and also in the strange and unusual and the nitty-gritty of each and every day. God, who we see on mountains and in sunsets and rainbows and in the great cathedral of trees in the north, God, who is revealed in the worship and the work, in liturgy and in life, God, who comes in the still, small voice in those precious moments of utter silence and peace, and who reveals himself by grabbing hold of us sometimes and shaking us until we get it. God comes to us on mountaintops and comes to us in the everyday, day-to-day things that we do and the people that we meet in our joy and gladness and in frustration and sorrow. We worship a God who came down from heaven to meet us face to face and flesh to flesh. 
God who set his eyes on the cross and who never looked back. It is a God who does not let us stay safe on our mountaintops, but who is perpetually sending us faithful folk back down again, out into the world, and who goes along with us. A God who transfigures you, who makes you new so that you can go out into the world and care for it and love it and heal it, sharing the light and the love of Christ so that all may be astounded by the greatness of God. That's our call, right? That's what we do. Show up, do good, be kind. It's an alive, it's an active, walk-the-walk type of faith. And I'll say it again, Jesus doesn't let his followers, let that just be reminded, doesn't let us hang out in the safety and the awesomeness and the comfort of the mountaintop. He sends them and sends us back out into the world. Into a world that is still reeling from two years of a global pandemic, during which nearly six million people have died, and over 400 million have gotten sick. Into a world that is, for all intents and purposes, on the brink of war. Into a world that is also divided by politics, a world where those with little continue to suffer due to the decisions made by those with much. Into a world where refugees still are not assured a place of welcome. Into a world where gay kids get, out, get outed by the adults that they are supposed to be protected by. Where trans kids are criminalized by politicians looking to score points with donors. This is the kind of world that we're sent into, people of God. To live and to work, to pray and to worship, to learn, to vote, to be. To proclaim the radical nature of God that breaks down the barriers between us, that upends the status quo and right-side-ups the world, and sometimes just might push us to be a little less comfortable, all for the sake of witnessing to God's all-encompassing love. Saints and siblings in Christ, wherever you go, there you are. Those are our words for Lent this year. And God is there too. And for this good news, we can all say, thanks be to God. God.